Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. You're doing is a great match, all right? Uh, so we'll have a really great time uh, today. We're going to open up God's Word. So if you guys have a copy of God's Word uh, with you this morning, go ahead and get that out and turn with me. Or uh, if you guys use your phone or tablet, scroll with me uh, to the book of 2 Chronicles. Yeah, I know, I know. Second Chronicles. We were due for some good, crazy Old Testament stories. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, let's see. Hey, Franklin, can you go grab that, that box for me, would you? Appreciate it, man. And uh, as you guys turn there, I'll tell you what verse we're going to start in in just a second. I want you to just kind of hang out there, but uh, I want to tell you a little bit. You can just set it right there. Yep, thank you. I want to tell you guys a little bit about just kind of where we've been. If this is your first Sunday with us or first in a while, um, uh, just kind of to give you a backtrack, we're finishing up today a series um, called Grow With God, uh, where we've been talking about what it looks like to grow with God. And the reason that we're doing that is really because just in the last two years, God has brought so many new people to our church. We started this church with like 15 people in a living room in the middle of COVID wearing face masks. Nobody knew who anybody was. Uh, you know, you'd meet somebody the next week and they're like, yeah, I met you last week. It's like, yeah, I don't recognize you without a face face mask on and it was just a really crazy time and as God has grown Impact Church and we've been reaching out to our community and our city the last couple of years so many of you that are here have just started a relationship with God it just in the last couple of years and uh, and so that's exciting and that's wonderful and uh, and then some of us uh, what weird thing that happened during COVID is so many of us like pressed the pause button not just on certain things but on our whole lives and we're just now trying to come out of that and be like, what does life look like now? And what is this new normal that I have? And so we want to encourage our church, man, we need to be growing in our relationship with God. And the reason you can do that is because God is not a religion. Jesus is not another optional religion. Jesus is a person and he is alive, which means because he's alive, we can have relationship with him. And we want to grow. So when we talk about growing with God, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about becoming more spiritual. We're not talking about becoming more religious. We're talking about having a real relationship with God that changes our lives. And, uh, and so that's kind of what, what we're going to be talking about. And so today, um, we are getting ready to enter in. Tomorrow uh, marks our week of fasting and prayer that we're going to be doing as a church. And, um, and I, I wanted us to kind of take a look. But, you know, as we talk about, like, growing with God, I've got this, got this box here. And, and here's, here's the fact. Like, what I know is some of us have not grown with God in a really long time. Like, for some of us, we haven't grown with God since we were a child. 
Like, it's just true. Like, you grew up going to church. You grew up hearing the stories, coloring the coloring sheets, like, doing all of this. And then whatever happened, like, there's always some sort of crazy life event. But whatever happened, maybe you just stopped going to church, uh, maybe in high school or maybe in college. And you just kind of stopped. And now you're reengaging as an adult. But all of your faith, your relationship with God still goes back to those coloring sheets. That you and when you grew up in church. So can I just say nothing against coloring sheets? I love a good coloring sheet and praise God for those faithful people that taught us the Bible when we were kids, right? Uh, it matters because it still sticks with us. So it's not a bash. I'm just saying for some of us, we're sitting back and we're in like 20 year old, 25, 40 year old bodies, but spiritually we're still five you know, and, and, and some of us, like, it's been a while since we've grown with God, maybe since high school, you know, you look back and you think, when was the last time you were really on fire for Jesus? Like, when is the last time you can really say, man, God was working and I knew he was real. I knew he was alive. Like, it was undeniable. And I would have gone and just taken on hell with a water pistol. Like, I was on fire and pumped up and, and doing this. And you look back and go, man, for me, maybe that was high school, you know. Maybe that was, or maybe that was college. And now here you are and or life has happened and now you're four years into college and you're not sure if you've had a moment like that, or, or, or maybe you're in your 20s and you're getting married or, or having kids or you're single and you're going, man, I, I don't know, like, it, it seems like just yesterday, but brother, sister, it's been like 10 years, right? Like, like talk about the glory days. Like, it's been like 10 years since we've had a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Uh, and then you've got, you know, maybe young adults, maybe you got on fire for Jesus when you were in college or, or right out of college. And now some of us, we're in our 40s, 50s, 60s, and while we've matured and grown in, in every other way, our relationship with God is still adolescent. It's like we're walking around and we haven't grown in a long time. And so church, I, I want us, I want us to, to grow. Um, I want us to be able to, to do that. And, and here's the number one obstacle that I think keeps us from growing with God the box. I think the box is the number one obstacle that we have. Is there something on the bottom? No, okay. You guys were always like, are they reading something? Is there a note in here? <laughs> um, the, the number one thing that I think keeps us from growing with God is the box. Here's what I mean by it. What I mean by it is what typically happens is we take that experience that we had with God, whether we were in high school, college, whatever it is, and what we've done is we've taken God, kind of like a genie in a bottle, and we've put him in this box. And we've said, all right, God, that's how you work. That's how you move. And, uh, and so that's how it is. And we got comfortable with it. We got so comfortable with just the same old routine and mundaneness and our relationship with God that over time, God would, here's the scary part. There were times God tried to get out of the box. And we ain't going to have that. <laughs> you know, there's times that God was like, hey, why don't you go on that, on that mission trip? Why don't you go on that? Go, Hey, why don't you go make disciples? What if I do want you to be a pastor? What if, what if I am calling you to, to a life of singleness and to go on the mission field? Or what if I am calling your family to pack up and move and go start a church? Like, and what happens is God starts to rattle the box a little bit of what we're safe with, what we're comfortable with. And you know what our, our first instinct is to do? 
well, we're not going to have any of that. I like God, but I like him right here. That's good for me. That's safe for me. That's, that's where I want them, right there. Because you know what? You can take them with you everywhere, everywhere you go. You can put them in the front seat of your car. You can set them at the dining room table. You can have dinner with them. You, you can do anything you want because God fits the mold that we know. And it's safe. And it's comfy. And we can explain it. And that's how we like it. But that's not the God we've come to worship this morning. Amen? Anybody? All right, I know I just stepped on some toes, but stay with me, like, it's still good, all right? We're going to get there this morning. The fact is, like, like we do this, and, and let me just be frank, God loves you. God cares for you, but God is bigger than our boxes, and, and the way that we're going to grow is through full surrender of taking the lid off. And saying, God, it's not that I need a bigger box or a different box or an orange box or a polka dotted box or a nice box from Etsy. What I need is you to get out of the box. And I need to have a relationship with you where I don't just carry you around to fulfill my desires and make me feel better about my life, but an actual relationship where I ask you, what you want me to do. You tell me what to do, and I go do it with you. Like, that's a relationship with God. And so, for so many of us, what's keeping us from really growing with God is the box. So, as we, as we turn into 2 Chronicles chapter 20, did I tell you guys what verse yet? I don't know, I hear murmuring, I don't know, verse, oh, God, guys, <laughs> you take cues from me, okay? Now I'm going to give away Daniel's car, all right, we'll have a raffle after church. <laughs> oh, sorry, Katie, <laughs> usually you're with the kids, yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding, <laughs> Whew, okay, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, and uh, let's start, in <laughs> she yelled at me in the middle of my sermon. That's amazing. Second Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 1. All right. Now, I'm going to try to pronounce some of these. I know I'm a pastor, and I should have perfect pronunciation, but I am from Mississippi. All right. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with them some of the Meonites, uh, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. All right. Now, here's, here's what you need to know so far is there's a bunch of people that do not worship God that are coming against Jehoshaphat, who is the king over ruler over God's people during this time, and they are coming to attack God's people. They're ready for battle. Okay, verse 2, some men came and told Jehoshaphat, he's the king, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is in, in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, right? just in the margin of your Bible. Can you just write the words, I bet he was? <laughs> I bet he was. He was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Uh, let's, let's stop right there. So what you have is you have these outsiders who have come against, against God's people, 
And, uh, and so they go to Jehoshaphat. Now, here's the, here's the big problem. All right, the, these mighty armies weren't coming for just one king. All right? They were coming to annihilate God's people. And at the time, to annihilate God's people would be like to annihilate God. Now, we know we can't really do that, but that's, that's, that was their thinking, right? Is that this will be the end of God's people, this will be the end of God. But that's not what, they didn't say Jehoshaphat, they're coming for God's people. Their message was, Jehoshaphat, they're coming for you. Now, listen, this is something God told me this week, is that so often people who come to attack us, People who come against us in our relationship with God, their problem usually is not with us. Their problem is with the Lord. But what it looks like is, my problem is with you. They're coming for you. They want a piece of you. Well, they don't really. Because, see, it's not, it's not our battle to take up. It's the Lord's battle to take up. And so the Lord, so they come at the Jehoshaphat, and if, if you're here today and you feel like, man, there's been some people rising up, or there's been some things said or some things done that you feel like it's your fault and it's, it, the enemy's just coming directly at you, I want you to know that's probably not true. See, the enemy doesn't just want to wipe you out. The enemy wants to wipe out every believer of Jesus and, and the whole church. So you are not alone in your attacks, even though the enemy wants you to think that this is all for you and about you. It's not okay their problem is with the Lord but regardless it scared Jehoshaphat and I don't blame him it, it would scare me too and it does scare me and Jehoshaphat was afraid so you know what he did Jehoshaphat was so afraid that um, he uh, he went and scrolled through Instagram for three hours that's what he did no, no, I'm just kidding. He played video games. What he did was he went and he turned on the switch and he played video games for about three hours. No, he didn't do any of that. You know what Jehoshaphat did? He didn't escape it. He didn't avoid it. He didn't run from it. Jehoshaphat took it head on. You know how he did? He didn't assemble his army. He didn't get in the war room and get the whiteboard out and start mapping out a plan. He didn't pull out the Google tasks and, and figure out everything that needed to get done. The first thing Jehoshaphat did was set his face to seek the Lord. And when he had decided that him seeking the Lord himself wasn't enough, then he got all God's people in on it and said, we all going to seek the Lord. And I'm not so confident that you people are all going to pray, so why don't we all just fast together? Now, when you're the king, you actually have authority over that because you control the food rations. So you can make sure there's some accountability in the fast. You know what I'm saying? Because you ain't getting no food. And so that's what happened. But then, so, so if you're taking notes, write this down. Fear compels us to seek the Lord through fasting. Fear compels us to seek the Lord through fasting. Because you look at what the response was from the people. The response was, the city of, of Judah and all the local cities and towns around, they all gathered together, and their motive, their agenda, was to seek the Lord for help. Is that not the purpose of the local church? Is that not why we gather? Because we need God's help. And if we're not careful, we will make a, like a gathering like this, whether it's a Sunday morning, a Saturday night, a community group, 
Wednesday night. If we're not careful, we can make a gathering all about gaining more knowledge. Or we can make a gathering all about seeking some sort of emotional fill from the music. If we're not careful, we can make the gathering together all about our preferences. But let me tell you why God's people gather. They gather to seek the Lord together because they need help. Okay? And I know that every single one of us in here, we need God's help with something. And if you don't currently, and then I bet you have in the past. Or if you hold on to Jesus long enough, you might in the future need a little help from the Lord. And that's why we're here. That is why we gather. But I think this is really interesting that we use the word fear. That fear compels us to seek the Lord. And the response from Jehoshaphat was to fast. And that's, that's what we're getting ready to do this week, is to fast. But here's what I know. As, I've, as I talk to people, and it's not right now in this moment, but it is for years of ministry, years of ministry of trying to teach other followers of Jesus to fast. Here, especially in the Western world, we have a great fear that revolves around fasting. And what, here's what's odd about it, is it's not really a resistance. Now, it may come across as a resistance. It may come across as, you know, a pre-hangry. You know what I'm talking about? You guys know what hangriness is? I know because some of y'all were that on the way to church this morning because you didn't get enough food. Like, you get a little hangry. That's where you're hungry. You're so hungry that you're angry at people. And, uh, and here, here's the deal, man. Like, some of us, we get pre-hangry. Just thinking about fasting puts us in a bad mood, you know? But here's what I know. The emotion that compels that really isn't anger or resistance. I've never met a follower of Jesus that tells me, Brandon, I don't think fasting is biblical. No one's ever told me that. Like, I've never had a follower of Jesus sit with me and go, I don't think Jesus really wants me to fast. No one's ever said that. But there's a lot of other things, and it's all driven by fear. Fear. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy uses fear, fear of what may happen to my body or, but you don't understand, Brandon, so much of my routine revolves around food. What will I do in the break room when my coworkers are eating? Or what if my coworkers call me out? Or what if my spouse doesn't want to participate with me? Or, or what if people think less of me? Or I've never done this before. So what if I mess up and accidentally eat something, you know, and God strikes me dead, you know, it's not going to happen, by the way. I'm just using an extreme example. The problem is most followers of Jesus have never fasted. And that's why it's scary. Because, everybody say, uh-oh. The problem is we have put God in a box and fasting is not part of the box. And, and God can work in my life in a million different ways. It's just he doesn't work in my life through fasting. You know why he doesn't work in your life through fasting? Because you don't do it. And so if you don't do it, he's not going to work. <laughs> That's how it works. And so what happens is we have to let him out of the box. And we have to say, God, the way you've always worked is through a Hillsong album on Spotify, a nice vanilla scented candle, and the book of Psalms. And God says, I know that was good when you were 15, but now I want to work in a new way. I want to work in a different way. It's time to grow in our relationship together. And one of the ways we do that, I'm just going to leave the lid off. One of the ways we do that 
is through fasting together. And so I understand. But the question that we need to ask is, is our fear of fasting greater than our fear of living without God's presence? Is our fear of having to only eat fruits and vegetables, our fear of our routines getting messed up, our fear of we already planned our dinner schedule and now you're asking me to change, our fear of what may happen to my physical body, or our, our fear of what if I do get hangry, or what if I have an awkward interaction at work. Are we let, is that fear greater than the fear you have of missing out on God working in your life through something he has so clearly told us to do in his word, to seek help from him? Um, if you're taking notes, write this down too. We gather to seek the Lord's help together. We gather to seek the Lord's help together. See, guys, that's why we're here. (laughs) And that's one of the reasons why some people push back and they tell me, "Uh, Pastor Brandon, uh, I'm not going to participate. Now, they haven't said this this time, so I don't want you guys to think I'm addressing like anything that's happened. None of this has happened. These are just all things from the last 15 years of doing ministry in Northern Virginia that I've noticed, okay? But sometimes what people will say is, I don't want to fast because that's a very personal and private thing to me. And what I tell them and remind them is that in Scripture, it was a very personal thing, but it was not always a private thing. Because, because while fasting is very personal, it is not always private. Now, sometimes it is. But, but then you have all of these instances in Scripture, and you go, well, Brandon, that was Old Testament. That was Old Testament. Um, yeah, but in the New Testament, like every chapter almost of the book of Acts, you know what the church does? They fast and pray. So much so that it's almost like every time they were together, the word fasting is mentioned. Like every time they gathered together, they were praying and fasting together because they needed God to intervene and show up. So this is the mark. If we're planting a church that's going to look like the Bible, then fasting has to be a part of what we do as a church. It has to. And so when we gather together, we do so to seek the Lord's help. And this is the power. Like we can experience unity at Impact Church in this church because we all only have one agenda when we get together. We're seeking God's face. That's it. Like when you get together, what would bring this awkward group of people together at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning? Not me. You guys aren't here for me. Not our worship team, as amazing as they are. You know what would bring all these people together? A hunger for God. We are starving for the more of the presence of God in our lives. And so when we get together, we can talk to people who we may not share the same language or heart language, or we may not share the same culture. We may come from different economic backgrounds. We might, there might be 30 years of age difference between us. But we can get together because we all got the same agenda. We are starving for God to move. Lord, feed us with your presence and give us some help. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. The other thing about fasting is that so many people, when they fast, um, they only think of it from maybe the physical aspect. Okay, maybe I'll lose a little bit of weight, or I don't want to do it because I don't need to lose any weight, or, you know, I, I could lose some weight, but I don't have to lose some weight, and so it's just easier not to participate in the fast. Or, you know, the Daniel fast is too complicated, and so I want to do, but I can't do this other fast. And we do all of these things. Let me tell you your first goal for the week. 
Your first goal, before you meal plan, before you <laughs> worry about anything, here's your first goal. Set some spiritual goals for yourself. Set some spiritual goals. What do you want to accomplish this week in your relationship with God? The people, when the people of Judah gathered together with King Jehoshaphat, they had a pretty clear goal they were working towards. Survival. Lord, kill everybody. Help us. You know? And be with, like, they had a pretty clear goal they were working towards. Well, guys, like, you're going to get a prayer guide and you're going to get some things. But, but guys, I want you to understand, like, you, you probably have some stuff you want to talk to God about. Man, I've got some things in my life. So I, I just put some, some uh, spiritual goals, some, some, uh, uh, maybe just some examples or some things that you could use, you know. Like, uh, man, do you have a sin in your life that you're like, man, I really... I really need that to be done. <laughs> you know, like, I, I really need to stop struggling with that. I, I really wish that temptation would flee from me and would leave. Well, man, what a great week to pray and ask for God's help and strength because he's promised not to give you more temptation than you can handle. And uh, maybe it's restoration in relationships. Maybe some friendships are really hard. Or maybe you're going through a hard time in your marriage or maybe a hard time with a boyfriend or girlfriend or, or whatever it may be. Um, man, you can use this week to pray for that. Um, your marriage, your children, salvation for the lost, that could include your children. Like just taking some time and, and praying for people who don't know Jesus. If you have kids, praying for kids. If you don't have kids, you know, and you want kids, praying for Like whatever it may be, like there's some things you can, awakening in your city. Like maybe you're just burdened every time you walk around Fredericksburg and you're like, man, it's a groovy town, but it's kind of messed up, you know? It's a little dark. And like, there's some people that need help. You walk around your campus and you go, man, this is this, this campus, this city needs a spiritual awakening in it. Maybe you need some financial provision. After last week, you're like, man, yeah, I got some stuff I need to accomplish with giving God my heart and my money, but he's going to have to provide wisdom. Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to, you want me to buy a house, sell a house? You want me to move? You want me to stay? You want us to start a family? Is it time to get married? Like you need some wisdom to make some decisions. Praying for other people that are going through a hard time. Maybe you need physical healing. But here's the number one thing we can pray for is more of God's presence in our lives. So guys, I hope you see, this is just a, a little list that I put together to share with you some things that I'm going to be working off of this week, some goals that I want to accomplish. And, and maybe God will meet all of them. Maybe he'll say, that was a nice list, Brandon. We're going to tackle this this week, okay? Uh, little Brandon, you need some help, all right? So I don't know what he's going to do, but I know I'm not going to walk into the fast aimless going, well, maybe I'll lose some weight this week. You know, like I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to seek the Lord's face um, and that's what we want to do, all right? Well, let's, let's uh, uh, keep reading, kind of go through this passage some more. Uh, 2 Chronicles 20, I think we left off at verse 5. Let's read verse 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5. If you're there, say, I'm there. Great. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem and the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, I want you, this is Jehoshaphat's prayer. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. 
Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friends? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name. And they've said, if, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house. And we will cry out to you in our affliction. You will hear and you will save. And now, behold, Lord God, the, the men of, of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Behold, they reward us now by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you gave to us to inherit. Look at verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? Now, let's just hang on for a second, because that's one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. All right? All right. Taking too long at the Starbucks line? Just kidding. <laughs> Lord, Lord, will you not execute your judgment? No, I, I know, but listen, it, Nehemiah's prayer, it kind of ends with, so Lord, kill them. Be, judge them. They're unrighteous. They are unjust. There's injustice here. Execute them. Take care of them. But look how he finishes it. For or because we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. Somebody underline this in your Bible. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. You ever been there? Feel like your back's against the wall? Well, God, I don't know how you're going to fix this situation. Because honestly, I'd like to consider myself sometimes, notice I say I'd like to, a pretty smart guy that I can problem solve with the best of them. I can get in and try to figure out, should we try this? No, let's try this. No, let's do this. But isn't it interesting how God puts some situations in our lives that require full dependence on him? That if he doesn't do it, it doesn't get done. When our back is against the wall, we can pray something like Jehoshaphat. Lord, take care of the people. Execute your judgment. Do what you need to do. But listen, there's nothing I can do. My back is against the wall. I don't know what to do. Do you know that's one of the most powerful prayers you can pray to God? God, I have no clue what I'm doing. Do you know that? Try it. Try it this week. Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing in my parenting. Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing in my marriage. Lord, I have no idea what you're going to do in my life five years from now. I don't have a five-year plan, a ten-year plan. Lord, I don't know what you're going to Try it. But then, Jehoshaphat follows it up with, but my eyes are on you. In other words, I'm not being passive. I'm not sitting back going, ah, I don't know what you're going to do. Ah, but I trust, you know, you'll sprinkle some fairy dust on it and everything will be okay. This is an act of, but my eyes are on you. And I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to keep fasting. And I'm going to keep praying. And I'm going to keep getting our community and your people together. And we're going to keep worshiping our way through this until you move. Until you show up, we're going to keep our eyes on you. That's not a passive statement. That is an act of every moment of every day, man. I'm keeping my eyes on you. So if you're taking notes, write this down. When we fast and pray, we remember God's power. When we fast and pray, 
we remember God's power. Isn't that amazing? And his prayer in this passage, it's mainly about him remembering what God has done in the past. God, you've been so faithful in the past. He says things like, oh, oh Lord. He starts his prayer with, oh, Lord. That word, Lord, anytime you see the word Lord in the Bible and it's all caps, that's the Hebrew word for Yahweh, which was God's personal name. So anytime someone is using the phrase, oh, Lord, and it's in all caps, then you know they are using the personal name of God. They are invoking relationship in their prayers. They're not just praying to any God. They're praying to the Lord God, the one true God. And he says, you're the God of our fathers. You're the God in heaven. There's no one like you. You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Your hand is powerful and mighty. Nobody can stand up to you. God, you've already shown your faithfulness. I mean, he goes through and, and reminds himself. So guys, when we fast and pray, we remember the power of God in our lives. If you're taking notes, write this down too. When we fast and pray, we put our eyes on God. When we fast and pray, we put our eyes on God. See, it is a way to remove distractions. I understand it fights against our idol of food a lot. But, but when we get rid of that idol and we put it to death, it removes the distractions in our lives so that we have no choice. You know, sometimes, have you ever, um, and, and just this is just as a parent, but I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to a child, whether you're a parent or not, you try to talk to a child and there's like a million things going on around them. And you're just, it doesn't take much to like get a child to, you know, I call it the oh squirrel, you know, look a squirrel, you know, moment. It's like, yeah, exactly. Like, and so, some of us are going, a child, man, I'm like that all the time, you know. Like, um, and so I understand, uh, but you try to talk to them and there, there's all these things going on. And you know what you have to do when you're talking to them is you start to have to eliminate distractions. So you notice they're watching the TV, so you have to turn the TV off. And then you say, okay, look at me and talk to me. And then you notice somebody, they're watching somebody else play in the room. So you have to ask them, hey, can you give us a second and go play over there? Okay, now listen to me. And then you notice that they're fiddling with something else and not paying attention. You have to say, hey, can we put that down? You know, it may take you 30 minutes to just get all the distractions out of the way so that you can tell them, do you need to go to the bathroom? You know? <laughs> and guys, sometimes that's how our relationship with God is. We've got, we have built for ourselves an empire of distractions where we are so safe and comfortable with them. Honestly, food being one of the biggest distractions. And we've built this empire of distractions around us. And, and God, it is God's merciful and gracious way of saying, can I have that for a second? Can you, can you put that down? Walk, walk with me into this room over here, you know. And because he may just want to tell you eye to eye, I love you. I just needed you to hear that from me. And it would have all been worth it. But guys, he loves us enough to get rid of all the distractions around us so that we can focus on him. Guys, when we're going through a hard time when we and we respond by fasting and praying for God's help, it is our active way of putting our eyes on God, not on whatever distraction is around us. You know, one of the issues about fasting and praying and one of the main things 
when we start to put God in a box, when you put God in a box and your relationship with God in a box, and I want to be clear, I'm not talking about your worship, pre- you know, worship preferences. Sometimes people go, oh, you put God in a box, and, you know, and they, what they mean is they can do a bu- you know, whatever they want to. I'm not talking about anything outside of this book, okay, like of, of God's Word. What I'm saying is so, so many of us have put God in a box. We're not even doing what God has told us to do in, in His Word. Uh, much less the things we have freedom to exercise and do. So, so when we do this, here's the biggest danger of it. Over time, you become a lukewarm Christian. See, the Bible in Revelation chapter 3 talks about a lukewarm Christian. And Jesus says, I wish you were hot on fire for me, or I wish you were just cold, where at least you would just admit, I'm not there. But instead, you live in this middle ground where you go back and forth, where you have just enough of God to make yourself feel better, but not enough of him to really have a relationship with him. And and Jesus calls that being lukewarm. And that's what happens if we carry God around in our boxes long enough. I want you guys to watch this video. Uh, This is from a movie. Uh, I usually don't show these because um, I call them the, the cheesy Christian movies. You know what I'm talking about? Like, most of them have Kirk Cameron in it or something, you know. And uh, no offense against Kirk Cameron, you know. I talk about him like I know him, you know. But uh, no offense against, I don't, but no offense against Kirk. But I, I just, uh, but this movie was actually really, I really enjoyed this movie uh, despite some of its cheesiness. I want to show you guys my favorite scene uh, from this movie talking about what we're talking about. Can you play that video? You coming this morning. Coffee will be ready in a couple of minutes. Oh, sounds good. Mm-hmm. Now I ran a sales report from the area. Wrote down a suggested asking price for the house. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Now, what did you say your husband did for a living? Um, well, we actually haven't talked about that, but he's a sales rep for Brightwell Pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you say you attended church? Well, we occasionally attend Riverdale Community. Mm-hmm. So you would say you know the Lord? Yes, I would say I know the Lord. You think the Lord is okay with this asking price? (laughs) And you have children? Miss Clara, my husband Tony and I have been married for 16 years. We have one daughter, her name is Danielle, and she's 10. She enjoys pop music and ice cream and jumping rope. Oh, well, that's good to know. Now, you say you attend church occasionally. Is that because your pastor only preaches occasionally? Miss Clara, I really would like to help you sell your house. That's why I'm here. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe in God, just like most people. He's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Well, let me get our coffee. So if I asked you what your prayer life was like, Would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. But I I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream or sugar if you need it. Oh, no, thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. 
<laughs> nah, baby, mine's hot. <laughs> Guys, that's a, a funny but very biblical and true example of what happens to us over time as we put God in a box, as we try not to grow, actively try because we become so complacent with where we're at. And then we start comparing ourselves to other people. And we go, well, I'm better than my neighbor. And I'm better than the lady that rammed her card into me at Costco yesterday. And I'm, I'm better than this thing or this person. Or, you know, and we start comparing that. We realize, man, this isn't between you and nobody else. It's between you and Jesus. And the question isn't if you think you're lukewarm or not. The question is, what would Jesus say? If Jesus was here and you asked him, Jesus, would you say that my prayer life is hot, cold, or lukewarm? What would Jesus' answer to that be? Because that's all that matters. That's all we care about. You don't need to care about my standards. You don't need to care about what I say. Like You need to care about what our Savior would say. And man, for me, I don't believe Jesus would look at me with judgmental eyes, maybe like Miss Claire a little bit, you know, you know, I don't believe like that, but I believe Jesus in fullness of love would look at me and say, well, Brandon, I, I think there are some times we've been a little lukewarm, but I'm here now. So let's get to work. Let's fix it. Let's, let's finish this passage and worship team, uh, you guys can go ahead and, and come up, but don't put your Bibles away. Let's finish this passage. Uh, let's look together at 2 Chronicles 20, verse 13. If you're there, say, I'm there. Great. It says this, Meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Isn't that so cool that the whole family was a part of this? Like the kids were invited too. This wasn't just for the adults. You had teenagers fasting. You had children fasting. You had you, the whole family is just sitting there watching this king fully depend on and rely on the Lord. In verse 14, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mattaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. Here's what you need to know about that. This dude was just a dude in the assembly. All right, that's who he was. Verse 15, and he said, so this dude just kind of gets up after they've been fasting and praying. In verse 15, he says, listen, all of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. That means like discouraged at this great horde. For the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to God. Isn't that so good? So then he gives them some instruction of what to do. Look at verse 17. He says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Isn't that so comforting? Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them because the Lord will be with you. Do you see the whole point of this? The whole point is the presence of God, that God's going to be there. They're going to have God with them. God's going to fight for them. Then, verse 18, then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face on the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, and they worshiped the Lord. And, and, and the Levites and the Kohalites and the Kohalites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, <laughs> with a very loud voice. Man, 
I just want you to see this word of the battle belongs to the Lord did not come from Jehoshaphat. It just came from one among the assembly. Do you know why? Because the Spirit of God falls on all of us equally. And every part we play matters. Every part we play matters. The part you play matters. And I want you to know if God could use this guy who is forever, yes, we got his name, but he's forever known as the guy in the midst of the assembly. That's who he was. And if God can use the guy in the midst of the assembly to get up and share the word, the battle does not belong to you. The battle belongs to God. So here's our battle plan, everybody. We're going to do nothing. We're going to just stand firm, cling to God, and watch, keep our eyes on God to see God give the victory. Well, that, that would get laughed out of the situation room. But when you're following Jesus, that's the only way to live. And church, that's what we get an opportunity to do this week. And so we're about to enter into a week of fasting and praying together. So I just want to ask you to do a few things. Number one, would you just commit to it today? The, one of the reasons we do it together is because it can be scary if you've never done it before. But it's not as scary if you've got other people doing it with you that you can lean on for support and gain encouragement. So would you commit to it? Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged, guys. God's going to be with us. Number two, would you expect God to speak as you call out to him? Do you just expect it? Man, I'm going to do this, and it's going to be great, and God is going to speak to me. And number three, would you just let God work? Let God fight the battle for you. And, and know that yours is the victory. That victory will be yours. It may not look the way you want it to. Because see, once you let God out of the box in your life, and you relinquish control over him in your life, what happens is he starts to do things his way. And I just want to tell you it's the best way. And when it's scary and it's frightening and it's hard, I want you to know two things. Number one, God is with you. He's with you. And number two, so are we. Let's pray together. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.